Matthew chapter 5, we have been going through a series on the Beatitudes, and we are going to finish it up today. We're actually going to kind of do a, a, an overview um, of them, and as this is beginning Thanksgiving week, and hopefully my desire is to make some observations of the, of the whole of them, that it would motivate us and encourage us um, to just deep gratitude um, and what has God done for us, and to examine ourselves as we look at what the Beatitudes have taught us in the last few months. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Let's pray. My Father, Lord, thank you for the chance to gather together this morning. We thank you for the fact that you are just completely in control of our lives. Lord, we thank you for the protection that you gave us last week, and we lift up those who were hit by the tornadoes last Sunday, that you just continue to be with them, strengthen them, provide for them. Lord, I pray that people would see you through the tragedy, you would draw many people to yourself. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the picture of a Christian in the Beatitudes. And Lord, I pray that as we look at this this morning, you just remove every distraction from our hearts, waken us to your word, and encourage us with it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Is anybody here a Doctor Who fan? Anybody a Doctor Who fan? Anybody? Anybody? Thank you. If you are a Doctor Who fan, yesterday, if you went on Google yesterday at all, all around the world, um, it was the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who. If you don't know what Doctor Who is, it was a, it's a classic um, British TV show where a doctor, um, and many doctors since then, they fly around, they're time travelers. I don't know a lot about Doctor Who, except that I'm a Doctor Who fan because my dad was a Doctor Who fan. He used to watch Channel 11, WTTW would come on at night. But here's the thing about Doctor Who. If you've never seen it before, it's a little weird. Um, and it kinda, you, I would watch Doctor Who, and I was with uh, Doctor Who 4 uh, with the scarf, the long scarf. So, Sarah, if you know who that is, that was my Doctor Who. And he was the guy that, uh, I loved the guy. He had a little blue, he'd, he'd, he'd go in his time-traveling machine, he'd get into this blue uh, um, telephone booth, and he would travel around the world, and he still he'll does. But the thing with Doctor Who, it was goofy. It was a little strange when you watch it. It's a British TV show. The music was different. The scarf the doctor wore was di- different. The, the accents were different. The props were different. The music was different. And as I was watching as a kid, it was compelling. It was so different. I didn't fully understand everything that was going on to it. But the more I watched it, the more it sucked me in, the more it drew me in. And until I liked it, until I looked forward to when Doctor Who was going to come on, until I could experience it again. I didn't fully understand everything about it, but it was absolutely compelling to see and sit and watch Doctor Who. And I think, as we sum up the Beatitudes, I think that's how some people, and many even Christians, look at the Beatitudes. I mean, they're different. They're they're. They're paradoxes. They, they don't always make sense, but there's something about the Beatitudes that is compelling. And it's the introduction to Jesus' greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And it's just the introduction. So this morning we're going to do a conclusion on the introduction of Jesus' message, which is extremely compelling, I think, for Christians and even people who aren't Christians. 
Because I think in the Beatitudes, it says to us and it tells us what is compelling about Christianity and what is compelling about the gospel. So I'm going to read Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 12. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I think the Beatitudes as a whole are unbelievably compelling. And they've been compelling to the world for centuries. And they should be compelling to us if you're a Christian. Because what they present is a profile of what a Christian is. And this morning... When yesterday, if you were on Google at all, they had the Doctor Who doodle on Google. And it was the largest one they've ever done. And they interviewed the guy who put it together. He's a British kid who's worked for Google for about a year. And it was his job to put that up there, the most complex Google doodle that they've ever done. And he said what he tried to do in that was he tried to take all the things that he could, about 50 years of Doctor Who, and put them into a short, brief Summary, so people to get a taste of it. And that's what I want to do this morning with the Beatitudes. I think they're compelling. And they need to compel us. And we're going to use four words that I think have helped me as we look through them. And it's reconcile, rest, rejoice, and respond. The gospel is compelling in the Beatitudes because it's about God coming to us and reconciling us. God came to me, and he came to you, and he reconciles us. And we see that in the Beatitudes. This is what God did for us. He makes us into this kind of person. He describes this is what a Christian is in all these things. This is his reconciling work in us. If you see, have seen yourselves in the Beatitudes, it's because God came to you. And called you to himself. When nobody else would have done that. And he even did it in the midst of unbelievable persecution and pain and opposition. When Jesus sat down to, to, to speak the Sermon on the Mount, he was popular. He was extremely popular. But Matthew, when he wrote his gospel, he said that the reason he's coming is to save people from their sin. It says in Matthew 1.21, Jesus, she said, the Bible says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's going to be a hard task. Jesus entered 
the earth, born of a virgin, 100% God, 100% man. He's tempted of Satan in Matthew chapter 4. And then it says in Matthew chapter 4, 23 through 25, he is unbelievably popular. He's going through all the synagogues proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, the good news, and he's healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And his fame is spread throughout all of Syria. And everybody with various diseases and pains and those oppressed by demons and epileptics and paralytics are healed. And great crowds follow him all over the world. And Jesus knows that the reason that there are so many people following him and so many hurting people and so much pain and so many paralytics and all the mass of humanity that's suffering is because of sin. And that's not the way it was supposed to be. Originally, God created the universe perfect. And then man rebelled. And they fell and they walked away from God. And God said, I'm not going to leave man in that state. I could. He's the creator, owner of the world. He could have changed it any time he wanted to. He could have wiped us off the map. He could have obliterated us. He could have said, enough with them. I'm done with them. But he didn't. He said, I love them. I'm going to reconcile them. And I'm going to send my son to them. And Jesus came. And with human eyes, he saw firsthand the effects of sin on people's lives. And they were all over the place coming up to him. And he saw it. And he knew that even by seeing all their pain, to forgive their sins was going to cost him his life. And he was still willing to do it. It's unbelievable love. It's the gift of reconciliation. It's the gift of grace. And it only comes by what Jesus did for us, the good news of the gospel. It's what we receive being made right with God, not what we achieve. The Beatitudes are not telling you how to become right with God. They're describing somebody who has been made right with God, somebody who has received grace, not achieved it. It's the difference between done and do. Christianity is compelling because it is the completely opposite of religion. It's not a belief system where it says, if you want to be right with God, you have to do some things. Christianity and the Beatitudes are compelling because it says, this is what you receive when you are a Christian. When you receive grace, this is who you become. This is what you get. It's not religion. It's Christianity. It's completely different from any other belief system. First John chapter 3. Verses 1 through 3. It says this. It says, see what kind of love. Or behold in some translations. It's just amazing. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. This is unbelievable to us, this gift of reconciliation, or it should overwhelm you. It should compel you when you hear that Christianity is completely different than any other religion. It's not religion. 
It's a relationship with God who could have wiped us off, chose not to, loved us so much, it's overwhelming, and he says, I want those people. You don't have to do anything to earn it. I'm going to give it to you free. I won't reject you. I will rescue you. There was an old movie that I have not seen, but it's got a great quote. It's with, it's called The Fisher King. And Robin Williams is in it, and an actor named Amanda Plummer. And Amanda Plummer plays this really klutzy, mousy wallflower, and she just has no friends. And uh, Robin Williams' character takes her out on a date, and he's in love with her, and he wants to take her out again. At the end of the date, he takes her in, and he says, I want to talk to you. And she says, no. No, if you, if you got to know me, you would not like me. I'm tired of rejection. It was so nice to go out, but everyone who gets to know me doesn't like me, so thanks. And Robin Williams' character says, I do know you. I know that you think you are awkward. I know that you think you are clumsy. I know that you think you are kind of clumsy, but I want to know you. I want you to know that I know who you are, and I love you. And I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. And the character looks at him and as if she's looking right into his heart, and she says, Are you real? This is a miracle that you love me. And the Beatitudes and Christianity is compelling because that's what God did for us. He knows us. He knows we're awkward. He knows we're clumsy. He knows we're sinners. And he still came for us. And then he says, This is what I will make you. This is what I'm going to do in you. I'm going to change you. I'm going to make you peaceable, merciful, pure, meek. I'm going to do that for you. You don't deserve it. This is gospel. This is good news for us. And the difference between a Christian and a religious person is that a Christian should not and doesn't lose the wonder of the reconciliation of God for us. We look at our lives and we look at ourselves when it's good and we say, I don't deserve this. Because we have seen that we are poor in spirit, we have nothing to offer, that we are bankrupt before God. And when things are going bad for us, the Christian, the portrait of the Christian is, I still don't deserve this. This is better than what I deserve, and it's hard, and it's difficult, but God reconciled me to himself. He called me. Christian doesn't lose the wonder of his Christianity. It's a miracle that God has rescued us. It's a huge price, but if you are moral, if you're just a religious type of person, this is going to irritate you. Because you are doing all these good things. You're trying really hard to have God approve of you. And he says, the only way you can be approved by me is coming through my son. And so reconciliation comes to the Christian when we say and everyone that that God is. God is real. God exists. God is king of everything. He is sovereign. And Jesus is the only way to be reconciled with him. And by grace alone through faith alone, by repentance and recognizing who we are, empty and bankrupt before God. But it's a gift of grace. We can receive that and have everything and follow Jesus.
And that will motivate us in our gratitude. That the Beatitudes are the picture of a person who's been reconciled, who's someone who doesn't deserve anything, but has been given everything. And God has unbelievably reconciled us to himself. And you don't have to do anything for it. So if you're here this morning and Christianity is not quite that compelling and you think it's just like any other religion, it's not like any other religion. It's not a religion. It's not moralistic. It's the fact that we have been rescued by God who did all the work for us. And he can redeem you and you may not understand everything about it, but it's wonderful. The ultimate love that you've been looking for is found in Jesus Christ alone. And the Beatitudes, at Jesus' introduction to his message, he says it's about reconciling. It's about me sitting down with Jesus, thousands of people, seeing all the pain in their life and calling them to myself and saying, listen, blessed are you, happy are you, to be envied are you, lucky are you, if these things are true. And it's only because of grace, it's only because we've been reconciled by God. The gospel, true Christianity, is compelling because of God's reconciling work in us. And so are the Beatitudes. The Christianity is compelling because it constantly reminds us also that we have nothing to prove so that we can just constantly rest in Jesus and what he's done for us. That's the whole point of the Beatitudes, that we can just rest in it. When you read the Beatitudes, it is a formidable list of character qualities to sit there and say, Blessed are lucky are the poor in spirit. Blessed and lucky are those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart, are happy and lucky and to be envied, the peacemakers. That's what I got to do. It's formidable. It's crushing apart from the gospel. But the Beatitudes also say this. It's God's reconciling work to us but it is absolutely rest to the Christian. When you read the Beatitudes as a Christian, when you have come to the end of yourself and you've said, you know what, I am poor in spirit. I have nothing to offer God. I am bankrupt before him. And you see Jesus and what he did for you on the cross and you run to Jesus and you are forgiven and you receive that and you keep following after Jesus, you realize that there is rest to be had in the Beatitudes. There's rest to be had in Christianity. It's not about effort. It's not about striving for more. It's about resting in Jesus and letting him do this work in you and saying, you know what? God does great work in reconciliation. He does amazing work. And also in his, we can rest in the fact that God does not rush in his work. If you look at Romans chapter 1, 23, We sometimes think, we look at the Beatitudes and think, man, I can't do it. It's overwhelming. It's too difficult. I'm failing all over the place in every one of these things. We've been looking at the Beatitudes for a couple months, and every time I hear it, I feel like i got to do more. Then you've missed the Beatitudes. Romans chapter 8, verse 23, says this about us. As Christians, Romans 8, 1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You, are, you have been made right with God. If you're a Christian, you've been reconciled. There is no condemnation. You are free in Christ. Yet, verse 23 says, 
And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. What this says to us is that all of us are absolutely messed up, filled with problems. Our bodies are messed up. Our minds are messed up. We have all kinds of ailments. And left to ourselves, if we read the Beatitudes not resting in Jesus, we will crush ourselves because we'll never be able to keep them. But the Beatitudes are not about us striving to be these things. It is resting in the fact that Jesus is these things. And because of Jesus, you are these things. And God does not rush in his work. And he who began a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. It is good, and the battle of faith is to rest in the grace of Jesus. Not to try to achieve, but keep going back to the gospel it says we have received. One of my favorite movies of all times is the Chariots of Fire movie. And then there's two characters in that movie, Herod Abrams and Eric Little. And they are the description of the Christian and the moralist. The the person who is trying to earn favor with God and the person who has received favor with God and resting in it. And in the movie, Chariots of Fire, they're right before the big Olympic race. And Harold Abrams running the 100-yard dash, and he says this in the movie. And he's contemplating what's about to happen and all the pressure of him being an Olympic hero for his country. And he says to himself, I will raise my eyes and look down that corridor, four feet wide with ten lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. But will I? Ten seconds, he thought, to achieve. Ten seconds to find my significance. Ten seconds to see if the country that I'm representing will find me acceptable. He felt the weight of the world on his shoulders in that moment. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel at all. The gospel is what Eric Little said in the movie. He says, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. As a Christian, when you read the Beatitudes, God has rescued us, and he has reconciled us. And then he says, rest in that, will you? Just rest. You don't have to achieve anything anymore. You have to keep striving to find significance. You don't have to strive anymore to find my acceptance. You are accepted in me because Jesus did it all for you. And so when God looks at you this week, And you're struggling to be a peacemaker. You're struggling to be meek. You're struggling to see the emptiness of your life and your bankruptcy spiritually. When you're struggling with that, as a Christian, you don't have to beat yourself up. You just need to look back to Jesus and the cross and say, I see his pleasure because he's working in me. And I can have contentment in my life. It doesn't matter anymore what other people think about me. It doesn't matter anymore. If I succeed in this or if I succeed in that, if people find me significant or not, it doesn't matter anymore for the Christian. 
And we can be content and we can, the fight of faith is to believe that that's what the gospel says for us and we are content and satisfied in Jesus. Someone said, if you belong to Jesus, you have lots to do and nothing to prove. It's all been proved in Jesus. God's not looking at you and he's not going to say, oh man, I'm disappointed. I love you less today. And he's not also going to look at you when you do it really well and say, yes, I so much love you more. His love never changes one way or the other. He delights in you because he delights in Jesus. So the Beatitudes say, listen, these are all things that he wants us to be, all things he wants us to do. But we're not doing them to earn his favor. We're doing them out of gratitude for the grace that he's given us. And we'll never fully achieve them, but he loves us anyway and he loves us the same, so we can rest in it. And as we continue, the Beatitudes help us, compel us, because it's God's reconciling work to us. It's compelling, because it takes all the pressure off of us to feel like we have to do something, to earn God's favor. He's satisfied with us if you're a Christian. He's, he's doing this in you. Just look at all the people through history, and through the Bible, and where they were at, and even the lineage of Jesus. Fail, 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 fail. But God's plan worked through them, and he loves them the same. And he loves us the same way. That's Christianity. That's the gospel. It's compelling. We're able to rest in that, in his acceptance of that. And because of that, the Beatitudes and Christianity compels us to rejoice. We can rejoice in all this. We have true joy. When you read the Beatitudes, the world looks at these, they just feel like it's pressure, and they like them. They feel like they're moralistic good ideas. You know, if I can achieve these things in my life, most people in the world, especially in our culture, who are nice people, who package up all kinds of things to to tornado and hurricane victims and feel really good about themselves, many of them would read the Beatitudes and say, yes, these are good things. This is good for our culture. This is good for society. But they can't fully be happy in them. Because they they try them and they feel like this is holiness. And this is what a Christian is. And it's this effort of holiness. And so they say, they're good. And I like that other people are doing them. And I I try to do them. That's that's holiness. And I'll put my time in and and I'll try. But as I try to live out the Beatitudes, I just can't have any happiness in it. Because it kind of squelches what I think is a good time. So holiness and happiness can't be together. And that's not true. The Beatitudes actually say that is not true at all. Holiness and happiness are to be together. They are together. Many people may see it, you may see it this way. You may see these Beatitudes as just this thing that God calls you to. It's it's work. And then you try to do it and it feels like it's impossible. And you feel like you failed or you can't do it or it's hopeless. And so you say, you know what? I tried to serve God. I tried to make God happy with me. I, I, I saw what he inter- how he introduced his big sermon. Too much pressure. I tried it. I fail. I can't do it. So I'm going to go find happiness my own way. And people will go and maybe you'll go and you'll start pursuing other things. And you'll pursue lesser things. You'll pursue less satisfying things. You'll pursue things that don't fully satisfy you deeply, like the gospel and like Jesus. And it'll last a little bit, 
And then you'll have to move on to something else that's more satisfying. And that'll last a little bit. Then you'll have to move on to something else. And you're never fully satisfied. And you wear this pressure. And it's like you just get stuck. Like that huge cargo plane that got stuck in Kansas this week. Two airports. One with the long runway and one with the short runway. And they landed this massive jet in Kansas. And they get on there and they found out they were at the wrong airport. And they said, how many airports are there? They're stuck and they can't get out. But they got all kinds of stuff. It's a huge thing. And that's how sometimes even Christians are. We, we think we want to serve God in holiness and so we get a lot of information in our heads. And we get a, a lot of effort in our heads. And, but the problem is we're stuck because we're trying to do it in our own efforts. And the, the runway's too short. And the Beatitude says that's not the gospel. The gospel says if you want to soar in Christianity, if you want to soar you want to not be stuck? Then trust Jesus. Rest in Jesus. Be happy. Rejoice in him. Be reconciled in him. Blessed, Psalms 32 says, blessed is the person whose sins are forgiven. Blessed, happy, blessed. We can rejoice in this, even in difficult times, because the arch of the beatitude says this. Jesus said this at the end of it. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. Rejoice and be glad. The Ark of the Beatitudes. At first it says we're poor in spirit. We're bankrupt. We've got nothing to offer God. And we're kind of down here and it, and it calls us to this point where it says if you, do, if you keep moving this way, you'll, you'll be satisfied in righteousness and you'll be able to see God. You'll be pure. But the Beatitudes don't stop there. It moves us then to be peacemakers and pure in heart and even to persecute. Be persecuted. It, it, the Beatitudes move us up where we want to stay there and seeing God. But God doesn't leave us there. Because I want you to move forward back into the world, back into reality. Being a Christian is not burying your head in the sand and acting like the world, just everything's all good and glorious. No, being a Christian is knowing that, no, the world is broken. The world is difficult. And we are called to go into that world and help work it and be salt and light and preserve it and expose it to the truth. And while we do that, we will rejoice now. And we will one day rejoice in heaven for great is your reward. We are called as Christians in the Beatitude to embrace the task of reconciliation. It's difficult work. It's slow work, and it's filled with pain. But the Beatitudes tell us it is a joyful work because we can remember the gospel, that we were lost in sin. We were broken. We were without hope. Jesus came for us, and then he wants us to send us back into the world to do that for other people. Help let them see Jesus. Let them see the character of a Christian And we know that the promise is this, that as we go through the persecution, as we go through the struggle, as we go through it, the promise is that we will see God. We are his sons. We are going to be in his kingdom. And our reward is great in heaven. So we can be joyful about it. The Beatitudes are compelling. And Christianity is compelling Because it's about a God who came to us and reconciled us. It's about a God who comes to us, reconciles us, and he says, not not to us, here's a bunch of stuff you have to do to please me. He says, no, I'm already pleased in you. It's compelling because it says, I want you to rejoice, and I will make it even in difficult times possible for you to rejoice because there's 
rewards now and there's rewards in heaven that you will experience forever. So keep your eyes focused on me. And the gospel is compelling because it calls us to respond. You can't read the Beatitudes without a response. It's the portrait of a Christian. It's what God says, this is what is called for as a believer. This is what a Christian looks like. This is the introduction to Jesus' sermon. And if, you were to, if we had the time to go to the end of it, most of the time in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, he's not talking to people who are irreligious and hate God. Constantly in the Beatitudes... He's calling out and says, this is the character of a Christian. And now as you go through, listen, there's going to be people who aren't really Christians. There's going to be people who don't think they can have to do it this way. And he's saying there's a good tree and there's a bad tree. And there's a good house and a bad house at the end. And there is ways that if you do your righteousness like this group of people, you're not in the kingdom. If you do this righteousness like Jesus says, you're in the kingdom. He's talking to church-going people most of the time in the Sermon on the Mount. And most of the time in his Beatitudes, he's saying, this is the portrait of a Christian. Are you a Christian? Because you can live in the realm of all this and not be a Christian. You can live in the realm of all these things and still be doing it in your own effort. You can be living in the realm of all this stuff and still think that you're earning your way to God. So the Beatitudes are compelling because it makes us say, do I believe this? Is this what God's doing in my life? Have I been changed this way? Jesus didn't come to tell us the answer to the question of life. He came to be the answer. This is the heart of the Beatitudes, is that Jesus says, follow me. It compels us to be salt and light. A Christian who gets the Beatitudes and wants them to be real in his life, he's going to go out and be persecuted. He's going to go out and be salt. He's going to go out and be life. He's going to want his church to, be, to not be a waiting room for the healthy, but a trauma center for the deeply wounded. We got a lot of teachers in here. A, a person who understands the Beatitudes, a Christian who understands the Beatitudes, they're going to be compelled to not want their Christianity to be the teacher's lounge, but to be the tough classroom. Because they are going to understand that Jesus came for this. He wanted to rescue us so that we could rescue other people through him, by grace, through faith. And so the response is, one, are you a Christian? Is this true of you? Do the Beatitudes reflect you? Have you been gripped by the grace of the gospel? And they also call us to the response of, do you want to please Jesus? Will you please Jesus? Will you live your life this way? Is this what you want to be? A Christian's going to want to please Jesus. You can't read the Beatitudes and say, that's good stuff, and I love Jesus, but I'm going to do it my way. You can't do it, because this is just the introduction to his sermon. And the rest of the time, he says, this is my way. Follow me. So are you a Christian? And if you are a Christian, do you want to please Jesus with your life? 
If you do, you'll just be so thankful that you can't. Not because you need to achieve acceptance from God, but by grace, you have received acceptance. You'll delight in Jesus. You'll keep your eyes on Jesus. And Jesus would say to you, you're blessed. A thousand times I've failed, still your mercy remains. And should I stumble again, still I'm caught in your grace. Everlasting, your light will shine when all else fades. Never ending, your glory goes beyond all fame. Well, I give you control Consume me from the inside out, Lord Let justice and praise Become my embrace To love you from the inside out Justice and praise 